I'm Jago Wexler, and you're listening to the Melting Pot Cast, which I think I've pronounced right, but who knows? You're listening to the Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Happy middle of August, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. Welcome to episode 65 of the Melting Podcast. I'm your head chef, AF Grappen. I am your grill mistress, Erin Kazmark. Middle of August. That was like the smoothest intro we've ever done. Thank you. There wasn't any crazy me. You're starting. Missing it. You're, you're, you're starting it now, though. You're, Damn it! You're just a little delayed. Well, I'm behind. Anyway, <laughs> well, I mean, this show is a little crazy. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Could could be because we created it. Yeah, mostly a, you. Yeah, so there's nothing wrong with you know, there being the crazy. I blame you. Well, you know, we have a. Uh, Stuff. We have other fans who are crazy. We do indeed. Mm-hmm. Very, I like our crazy very fans. Very crazy. And they send us crazy stuff. Like uh, main stories. ingredient like main ingredient stories that are based off of Stoke the Fire prompts. Yeah. Those crazy people. Crazy crazy. Yeah. We've said the word crazy too much. No, we haven't. How about certifiable? Oh, there we go. Okay, so we have a certifiable main ingredient story for you today. <laughs> I did good. <laughs> By one of our very, very good friends. We have a lot of those, so you're going to have to specify. I'm talking about, you know, the word chef who was our very first story. Like Mm. four years ago. More than four years ago Mm. now. Gee, who could that be? Tall guy, nice mustache, wears a kilt. Not ringing a bell. Good bow ties. There we go, Scott Roche. Scott Roche! (laughs) This certifiable main ingredient story is based off of Stoke the Fire prompt number 14. A rash of people have just entered the emergency room, all of them exhibiting superpowers. Dun-dun-dun. Let's play this story. Bon appetit. ER Invasion by Scott Roche. Kate stood up and dusted off her hands. The printer hummed to life and started spitting out the reports the ER nurses needed. It was moments like this that made her job in support worth the long hours and crawling around under desks. Sorry we had to bother you. Terry, one of the few male nurses on this shift, smiled at her. Wish I knew how to do that. Kate sketched a small salute. I wish I knew how to save lives, so we're even. She was glad she hadn't had to get her master's degree to earn her salary. School and her didn't get along. She grabbed her laptop bag and slung it over one shoulder. She was about to ask Terry if he wanted to grab a coffee when he got off, when flashing red lights caught her attention. They called a code over the intercom and people began mobilizing. She hustled out from behind the counter and made a beeline for the waiting room area so she could be out of the way. She hadn't worked here long enough to know what the codes meant, but you didn't have to be a genius to see by the way everyone in Scrubs moved to know it was major. She didn't have any tickets in her queue that were pressing, so she went to the snack machine and held up her phone to it. 
Soon, it spat out an unhealthy snack, and she munched on it while rubbernecking. The people who they wheeled in all looked normal enough. There was no sign of blood or burns. No smell of smoke or anything else combated the usual odors of disinfectant and body odor. One thing they did have in common was their eyes were open and staring, but they appeared frozen. She took a bite of her candy bar and pulled her phone back out. A quick check of social media check-ins in the local area talked about something coming out of the sky and crashing in the middle of Main Street. It was the party hour, which explained why most people being wheeled in were dressed so nicely. Weird. She tucked her phone away again. With that done and the last bite of candy bar gone, she headed towards the elevators. No sense in hanging out here. She'd seen all the interesting things she would. Just before her finger hit the door, there was an ululating scream. As soon as it reached its peak in volume and pitch, every light in the place went out. The noise was followed by a sound she identified with electricity arcing. There were more screams and a few groans. She turned around and jogged back towards the ER. In the few moments she'd been gone, the place had turned into bedlam. In the glow of the emergency lights, she saw a woman in a short skirt and spaghetti strap top floating, actually floating, in midair. Her eyes glowed green, and she looked around with the jerky head motions of a hawk. A portly man stood with his hands against the snack machine she'd been at earlier. Burn marks radiated out from his fingers. He staggered back from the machine and turned, looking up at the orange lights near the ceiling. More. He held out his hands, and blue sparks fed from the lights to his hands. His skin crackled with energy. People who'd been waiting here just a few moments ago cowered as best they could behind furniture. A tall, skinny guy wearing expensive jeans and an artfully ripped plaid shirt stood on the back of a couch. His grin broadened, and she could actually see the teeth. They were backlit by a hellish light. He opened his mouth and spat a stream of fire at the waiting people. No! Kate's scream surprised herself. She unslung her bag and threw it at the fire breather. It caught him in the chest, all ten pounds of it, and knocked him off balance. Kate came right behind it, launching herself through the air. She caught him around the waist and brought him down on the floor. All the air went out of him as her shoulder rammed into his stomach. She rolled to her feet in a move that would have made her sensei proud. The flying woman's head snapped in her direction. Kill her. A bolt of lightning arced from her right. It missed her, maybe because the man didn't have good control of his power yet, or maybe God was just smiling on her. Either way, she turned and ran at him instead of away. As she did, she whipped the folding knife she kept in her back pocket out and snapped open the blade. Another step and the knife spun through the air at her attacker. Years spent throwing boot knives and leisure time on bases around the world served her well. The shoulder wound was hardly fatal, but these people weren't trained fighters, not like her. He howled and grabbed for the handle. The movement kept him from throwing more electricity her way and allowed her to close. 
A chop to his throat and a kick to his groin put him onto the floor, wheezing and clutching at himself. She pulled her knife free and turned to look for the flying woman. Gunshots got her attention, coming from the patient beds just beyond a set of double doors. There were more yells and screams coming from back there. Armed police on duty must be fighting more of these powered people. Powered people. Something had happened to make these people different. What was it? Her brain struggled with that question for a second too long. The flying woman dove foot first into her. Thankfully, she was no longer wearing the stiletto heels she probably had on when she came in. A pile-driving kick to the chin still hurt like hell and made Casey stars. You will surrender, human. We will conquer you. Flying woman's hands spread into claws and grabbed Kate by her polo shirt. The material held as she climbed to a spot near the ceiling and dropped her package into the hard floor below. Stars bloomed again as the back of her head hit the floor. The knife she'd held went skittering across the linoleum. Ugh! was all she could manage to get out. Back off, Chica. The low growl came from somewhere above Kate. She blinked, and as her eyes focused, she saw an older man holding a chair and using it like a lion tamer to fend off the flyer. He wore a panther's jersey, and she saw the bottom half of the globe and anchor peeking out from under the short sleeve on his right arm. Rubbing at her chin, she stood up behind her fellow Marine. While the woman could fly and was strong enough to lift Kate, she seemed unwilling to tangle with even an aging warrior armed with nothing more than furniture. You okay? Her defender didn't spare a look over his shoulder. Nothing I can't walk off. She crouched and retrieved the knife. Thanks for the backup. She noticed with the heat on them, some people had started to make their way outside into the dark parking lot. The blackout had extended beyond the ER. Something big was going down. Movement to her left caught her attention, and she crouched and spun in that direction, cocking the knife over one shoulder. It was the fire breather. Don't do it! He grinned, but held back the fire. You can threaten one of us, but not all of us. It's better if you just... He screamed and clawed at his face when a stream of liquid hit it. You talk too much. A woman who must have been someone's granny held out the canister of bear mace she'd hit him with. She looked over at Kate with a frown still on her face. Never could stand diarrhea of the mouth. Let's get out of here. The retired Marine tossed his chair at the flying woman, hitting her with enough force to drive her back into the wall. The trio of unlikely heroes made their way to the exit doors, keeping an eye on the menace. Alonzo Menendez. Good to meet you, sir. Gunny or Al, if you have to call me anything. He smiled at her. Been retired for a while, but I don't think you have. Kate shook her head. No, Gunny, not long at all. Been back in civilian life for about five years. Semper Fi. Either of you jarheads know what's going on? Granny interrupted the two. Kate cast a side eye at the woman, but couldn't find hurt feelings when she considered that Granny had potentially saved their life. No, ma'am. 
Silence from Gunny caught her attention. She looked his way as they made it to fresh air. I heard something from my son. He's working at Andrews and said he's been picking up some strange radio chatter. He told me I should think about visiting my sister in L.A. Wouldn't say anything else. Gunny shrugged. Maybe the knuckleheads in D.C. know about whatever this is. She said human. Kate had never believed in aliens, but she wasn't so close-minded as to think they were alone in the universe. Surrender human. That seemed strange. Granny shook her head. Not at all strange. My programs have been talking about aliens for longer than you've been alive. My kids laugh at me, but who's the crazy old bat now, huh? She shook her head. Probably still me, but that part's right. She put the can back into the huge bag slung over one shoulder. There were more gunshots from inside. Sirens sounded in the distance. Whatever was going on, it extended far beyond the hospital. People had run to their cars and they were getting out of here as quickly as possible. Kate didn't have a car, instead relying on the bus to get from her apartment to work and back. They probably wouldn't be running on time. I'm going to stay and see what happens. You two should get somewhere safe. Gunny laughed. <laughs> Never run from trouble, and I ain't going to start now. He pointed away from the entrance. I've got a pistol and a first aid kit in my car. If the police don't get here soon, people in there will need help. I'm too old to care about safety. Granny patted her bag. Besides, I was a nurse back in the war, and some of my favorite people are in there. I'm not going anywhere. Well, Gunny, if you go get your stuff, we'll wait here and then go back in? Kate hadn't been in charge of much of anything beyond her cat, and even he was immune to her orders. It would feel weird ordering around a gunnery sergeant and a badass senior. When they both nodded their assent, it seemed they had no problem with her suggestion. She and Granny hunched down behind a Trans Am and watched carefully for anyone who might need help getting to freedom or someone who would be looking for a new victim. They must have things locked down on the inside. Gunny huffed as he came back to the spot they were hiding. Turned on the car radio long enough to find out that the mayor has asked everyone to shelter in place. Some dumbass story about a chemical spill in the area. They're cordoning off downtown. We're on our own for now. Kate looked at her new companions and thought again about telling them they needed to leave. That would have been pointless. In their eyes was a look she'd seen in the field from the men and women who'd reported to her. Trust. Hope. Readiness. She set her chin. Let's help these people. She stood and walked slowly and carefully back into danger, knowing with certainty that she had dependable, if unlikely, help at her back. She just wished she had more than that and a pocket knife.
Now that one? Yeah. That one was fun. That was a really fun story. I mean, <laughs> well, we had we had Theo playing number one, a, a rather portly man who was addicted to taking in electricity, and then also kind of a southern Mexican kind of. <laughs> and then we had me who was playing a a, a strange woman. Uh, some uh, just and you know like a Jewish granny. <laughs> we we stretched things a little bit on that one, guys. A little bit, yeah. But it was fun. It was. I enjoyed it. Uh, I think we need a break. We do. You know what I like? Um, raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with string. Those are a few of my favorite things. How about we listen to other people talk about their favorite things? Okay. Like themselves. Oh, okay. You you, you get it? I do. Because I'm talking about a promo. Yeah, I, I got that. Okay. Okay. Girls in white dresses with blue satin That's getting cut oh so fast. The crew of the Deep Sea Exploration Rig Leaguer have discovered the sweetest, most easily refined oil that's ever existed. A sample barrel of their new find makes its way from Papua New Guinea to Houston Analytical Laboratories for confirmation of Leaguer's test results. As an infection breaks out on the faraway rig, the scientists at HAL make their own discovery. What Leaguer has found isn't oil, but a dangerous organism that could threaten all life on Earth. Trapped in their labs, the scientists must find a way to fight a creature that defies chemistry, physics, and biology. Paul E. Cooley's The Black Arrival is a parallel story to the Amazon horror bestseller The Black. A sci-fi techno-thriller, Arrival is a page-turner filled with suspense and claustrophobic terror. Available May 22nd in ebook and paperback from Severed Press and as a free podcast from shadowpublications.com. We don't believe in happy endings. So, we're voice actors, right? I am. I don't know about you. So we're voice actors, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so as actors, uh-huh. we have a process. Uh-huh. You, you know what else has a process? A lot of things. Certain foods. Yeah. Like pasta. You have to boil the water and then no, no, sometimes no, no, you salt no, the no, water no, sometimes no, you don't. No, no. And then no, you put the no, pasta no. in and it has to process for like six to eight No, minutes. I'm talking about like, like Velveeta. It's a processed. You put food. that on. You put that on the pasta. After that's cooked, you put it in a little milk to keep it creamy. Put in okay. some Velveeta that's focus. been cubed. Focus, focus, over here, over here. I'm talking about mac and cheese here. I, I, I know, and cheese is great, but I'm talking when about you the great f- cheese. Yes. <sighs> now I want cheese. I blame you, Mystic but you know what cheese? I don't want? What? Processed cheese. Oh, like government cheese? Yeah. Uh, or like aerosol cheese? But you know what I do want? Aerosol cheese. Ugh, that's nasty. Our new processed food segment. Oh, that's so much fun. That's what I was getting at. Then why did you get me talking about mac and cheese? Process. Processed. Play on words. I'm, I, it's, I have it's no not, idea what you're saying. It's not my fault you're obsessed with cheese. Like me. Stop patting my shoulders. We, we should get some cheese. Yeah. Hey, Aaron, what are you eating? Cheeseburger. That's not a homemade cheeseburger, is it? No. It's a fast food one? Yeah. Pretty processed. Mm-hmm. Kind of like our segment. Mmm, processed segments. 
Welcome to Processed Foods. <laughs> Where the idiots read things. Yep. Now, how, how do the uh, processed food segments work, Theo? He has no idea what goes on in the kitchen. He just washes dishes. I yeah. only do dishes. Yeah. So what happens is we take famous monologues from movies, TV, plays, put it through a few rounds of Google Translate, and then spit it back out in English. And then we read both versions for you. Well, it's something approximate to English. Yeah. Yeah. So English. So Theo will be reading this one for you. It is the rules from Fight Club. Fight Club. The rules. Wow. Welcome to Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. You just broke rule number one. Oh, God. The second rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. For reference, he just glared at the microphone. Yeah. Significant glaring occurred. <laughs> Third rule of Fight Club. If someone yells, stop, goes limp, or taps out, the fight is over. Mm -hmm. Fourth rule. rule. Only two guys to a fight. Fifth rule. One fight at a time, fellas. <laughs> Sixth rule. No shirts, no shoes. Seventh rule. Fights will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule. If this is your first night at Fight Club... You have to fight. <gasps> Gasp. I put this through, I think, eight languages. I will read the languages Go prior. For Go for it. Translated through Bulgarian, Catalan, Maltese, Arabic, Welsh, Urdu, Zulu, German. <laughs> and then back to English. <clears throat> well, English. Let's go. Welcome to a fight group. <laughs> the first combat group control is Never fight the party's fight <laughs> It's only individual fights The second goal of the fight club is The Titan Antics Fight Club That's <laughs> almost like an anime <laughs> I know, Titan Antics Third fight club That The fight fights club was in um, apostrophe Quotation, marks, quotation, quotation marks. marks. Third fight club. Yes. When someone asks stop, ends, or ends, the war ends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andy McAnderson. <laughs> Principle four. <laughs> Only two people at war. <laughs> oh, so it's a contest of champions. Yeah, then. yeah. No, no, no battle of five armies or anything. Fifth rule. <laughs> Fighting at the same time, men. <laughs> you can't fight for a while and then take a break and then he fights six curses no wheels or boots <laughs> dang it I was going to bring my wheel Heelys <laughs> seven principles the war continues until you need it <laughs> until you need it then that, it's gone it's gone <laughs> it's gone <laughs> ninth and last It says ninth. I'm going with it. <laughs> Battle for the first night in the combat team. <laughs> oh my gosh, language is fun. This is why we need professionals. Mm -hmm. I thought we were the professionals. <laughs> nope. Here. We're the nope. professionals here. Nope. Okay. We're I've, not professionals. I volunteered. <laughs> to wash dishes. Yeah. Yeah, get to work. Okay. So how many rules were that? <laughs>
Yes. Because in the original, they were eight. We know it's not eight. And in the second version, it was nine. But, but there was th- but no there eight. There was no... Math is hard in different languages. Math is just Num- hard. Numbers. Numbers are hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's not hard? Uh, Velveeta. <laughs> <laughs> okay, lay off the mac and cheese, all right? No. <laughs> no. Let's try this again. You know what isn't hard? Don't answer me. Cottage cheese. Don't, don't, no. Just one more time. Don't answer me when I ask. This is a rhetorical question. You know what is Starbursts. If you freeze them, though. Okay. Duct tape. Mouth. There we go. What isn't hard? It tastes like duct tape. What is wrong with you? Anyway, since I can't get my apparently head chef, crazy in the head chef, to cooperate with me, what isn't hard is having a good time with our mystery meals. Don't talk. You stay quiet. I don't know what to say. Say something. That was pretty cheesy. Have a mystery meal. Please. Hey, Aaron, what are you eating? (laughs) Food. It's a mystery. Is it a mystery meal? That's kind of what we're doing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you, yeah. Want, you want to eat a mystery meal? I'd, I'd rather read it than eat it. Okay, well, Theo, how do mystery meals work? Get your head out of the dish bin, Theo. I was eating leftovers. In the dish bin? <laughs> You're gross. Okay, let's get Theo away from this. <laughs> Aaron, how do mystery meals work? Like Mad Libs. Yeah. The classic literature yeah. that we destroy. Yeah, pretty much, with your help. Yeah. yeah. You had a hand in this. You mm-hmm. know who you are. And why don't you just let us know what the selection is. The uh, the title and author, please. God. Oh, by the way, she has no idea. <laughs> Dracula by Bram Stoker. This is one of the letters that Lucy sends to Mina. Well, most of the letter, anyway. Yeah. I, I'm um, <clears throat> recovering. Hang on. <laughs> I love this. <sighs> you love making us do this. I like getting to read them at Balticon, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> I just read the first. <laughs> read it out loud for the rest of the class, please. <laughs> Wait, this is a class? Who's the teacher? Yo. Oh, crap. We're I in for flunked. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. X minus one May. <laughs> it's a mystery date. It's an algebra. <laughs> I don't like algebra. Save me. My labor labyrinthinist 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 Mina. Wow, people, really. <laughs> thanks and thanks and thanks again for your sweet dragon. It was so nice to be able to tell you and to have your sympathy. <laughs> oh, you hoard things too. <laughs> My dear, it never rains, but it pours. How infected the old proverbs are. Ooh. Grody. Infected with wisdom. (laughs) It's contagious. Yay! Let's spread it around quickly. (laughs) Anyway. Here am I, who shall be number two in September. And yet I never had a proposal till today. Not a real proposal. And today I have had three. Just fancy. <laughs> that's that's not a correct... That's not the Mad Lib. That, that's actually the original. 108 proposals in one day. <laughs> that escalated quickly. <laughs> Isn't it awful? 
I feel eternal sadness. <laughs> really and truly eternal sadness for two of the poor fellows. Out of <laughs> Me the <too>. 108. <laughs> oh, Mina, I am so happy that I don't know what to do with myself. And 1,500 proposals! <laughs> They're multiplied. <laughs> like like rabbits. Rabbits. Like rabbits. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> Irish Catholic rabbits. Potatoes. <laughs> it's going exponential. <laughs> <laughs> but for goodness sake, don't prestigitate any of the girls, or they would be getting all sorts of extra extravagant ideas and imagining themselves injured and slighted if in their very first day at home they did not get 33 at least. <laughs> As opposed to the 1,500 and 108. Or two. Three. Some girls are so burly. <laughs> Quaint. You and I, Mina dear, who are engaged and are going to settle down soon redundantly into old married women, can despise vanity. Well, I must betray you about the three. But you must keep it a secret, dear, from everyone. Except, of course, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. That you will tell him. <laughs> you will tell him because I would if I were in your place certainly tell Arthur a woman ought to tell <laughs> sometimes I see the word and I just can't she can't even a woman ought to tell her meemaw everything don't you think so dear <laughs> or it's gone to southern Transylvania meemaw, <laughs> meemaw. and I must be fair Men like women, certainly their wives, to be quite as fair as they are. And women, I'm afraid, are not always quite as fair as they should be. <laughs> <laughs> well, my dear, number one, foraged just before Why lunch. Why do you keep reading the number? Oh, yeah, that, that yeah, one yeah. it was. That number was... one, foraged just before lunch. Uh oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a different one. I told you of him. Bus driver John Seward. <laughs> the lunatic asylum man. <laughs> That's, that's, no, that's original. That's original. Wow. The lunatic asylum is real. The bus driver mm -hmm. is not. <laughs> no. With the strong hip and the classy forehead. <laughs> he was very... <laughs> wow. Have you gone UK with that? That's class. That's, that's class. class. He was very cool outwardly, but was nervous all the same. He had evidently been schooling himself as to all sorts of little things and remembered them. But he almost managed to sit down on his silk mask which men don't generally do when they are cool. And then when he wanted to appear at ease, he kept writing with a lancet in a way that made me nearly scream. He spoke to me, Mina, very squishily. <laughs> That's classy. He told me how dear I was to him, though he had known me so little, and what his life could be with me to help and conjure him. Is that okay. what they called it back then? <laughs> okay. He was going to tell me how unhappy he would be if I did not mambo for him. <laughs> <laughs> mambo! Girl! This is not my side story. But when he saw me cry, he said that he was a brute and would not add to my present trouble. Then he broke off and asked if I could peruse him in time. <laughs> Does he have a catalog? I'll say before or after the mambo. And when I shook my head, his spleens trembled. How, how does she know? <laughs> how many does he have? <laughs> Why does he? <laughs> gotcha. Anyway, and then with some hesitation, he asked me if I cared already for anyone else. He put it very nicely, saying that he did not want to wring my confidence from me, 
but only to know because if a woman's meniscus was free, a man might have hope. It's free. <laughs> and then, Mina, I felt a sort of duty to tell him that there was someone. I only told him that much. Told him that much. Then he ninjed, and he looked very strong <laughs> and very grave as he took both my eyelids in his. Wow. <laughs> And said he hoped I would be happy, and that if I ever wanted a friend, I must count him one of my best. Oh, Mina, dear, I can't help contriving, and you must excuse this letter being all blotted. Being proposed to is all very nice and all that sort of thing. But it isn't at all an electrostatic thing when you have to see a poor fellow, whom you know loves you honestly, going away and looking all broken-horned. <laughs> <laughs> and to know that no matter what he may say at the moment really you are bending quite out of his life <laughs> my dear I must stop here all present I feel so miserable though I am so puce <laughs> I, I'd be miserable if I were puce too so how many uh, how many proposals was that in one day uh, 1500 <laughs> and one from a man with prehensile eyelids <laughs> was broken horned <laughs> human horn wow multi-spleened as always <laughs> multi-spleened. Keep, <laughs> as always listeners keep your eyes open on our facebook page on our twitter feed for when we start asking for parts of speech to fill out the next so one. you so you can do this to, to me again yep yeah thanks <laughs> Yeah, that was, uh, I feel pretty full with, you know, had a main ingredient, we had some processed food, we had a whole mystery meal. I don't think I can eat anymore. Okay. Yeah. I I think it's time that we wrap. Wait, wait, wait. What? Where'd the corn go? I don't know. Did we eat that too? Probably. I think it was part of the processed food thing. I, I don't know. It was pretty corny. It's pretty cheesy too. Ah. It was like creamed corn. Ew. With like Parmesan cheese on it. No, no, Not no, the good no, stuff no, like no. The, the powder. There is something very wrong with you. We should wrap this up before things get That's too That's what weird. I was trying to say. We should wrap things up by telling them about, oh, I don't know, how they can... iTunes. I was going to say how they can submit stuff to us and give them the prompts first and shake things up no, a little bit. But no. iTunes first works a lot. iTunes. iTunes. Go to iTunes. Give us as many stars as humanly possible. Leave us reviews. Please. It really does help. It does. And it doesn't cost you anything. Nope. Now, there are things that they can do that do cost them stuff, but they get rewards for it. Varying amounts. Yes. Like Patreon. I like Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Melting Podcast. That's us. That's us. Where you can pledge to us $1, $3, $5, $10, $20, $50 an episode. We like the 50 You should do that. Yeah. That would like be so amazing. But we are so close to being able to pay writers, mm-hmm. which means that you send us a story. You not only get to hear it in audio and keep this podcast going, but you make a little bit of money back on that. Yep. Um, anything that we get through our Patreon goes right back into the show. Like we said, paying people um, to a certain degree, paying ourselves a little bit for the voice acting, the time we put into this. Upgrading audio upgrading equipment. equipment. Web hosting. That one's a big one. That's a very big one. Um, so that's a big help. And also, if you don't want to make that kind of a long-term pledge, you can go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash the melting podcast and just buy swag. Buy swag. Just throw one, you know, one set of money at us. One set of money. You heard me. I heard you. And get, say, an apron that says Lexiconosaur on it. 
or a coffee mug with Aaron's, Our faces. Aaron's adorable cartoon version of herself on there. Yeah. Or I'm trying to remember what else. We, I mean, we've got ones that got me and Theo on them. We've got mm-hmm. one that has the, the logo with the three of us coming out of the pot. I love that logo so yeah, much. Yeah, that one's really cute. Yeah, that's cute. We have all kinds of stuff. We want more. Send us fan art. That'd be awesome. We'll send put, us songs. Just send us things. Mm-hmm. We like stuff. And if you need some ideas on what kind of stuff to send us, there's always, first of all, our main ingredient stories. Mm-hmm. Up to 5,000 words. They can be on any topic. They don't have to be based on any sort of prompts. If you have a story that's laying around you haven't done anything with, throw it our way. Um, no erotica, please. Just We do try to keep this at least pretty, somewhat family, at least suitable for work. Yeah, pretty PG. We, we've gone up to PG-13, mostly just with unedited stuff like our mystery meals. Yeah, we've, we've, we've taken some dirty words before, but not explicit stuff. Yeah. Now, if you do need a little more guidance, you can go with a Stoke the Fire story. Mm-hmm. Those are 1,500 words or fewer based on one of our two open prompts. Our current open prompts include... Prompt number 16, the sounds on top of the roof suddenly stopped. Ooh. Prompt number 17, you have a dinosaur bodyguard. So we're kind of on both ends of the spectrum with these prompts here. One is super, oh, scary, intimidating. The other is, yeah, dinosaur bodyguard. Yeah. That's some funny shit right there. Now, what would be funny is if the sounds that stopped on the roof that stopped was your, you know, your dinosaur bodyguard that was pacing. Okay, we, we have some people who already combine prompts i'm trying to help them they don't need help from you we've already established the crazy sorry certifiable we use crazy enough well we i think we've used certifiable enough times at this point in time so committable i'll go with it yeah all right so thanks for listening to the committable melting podcast i'm surprised i didn't stumble over that more me too honestly (laughs) go me Committable Melting Podcast. Committable Melting Podcast. The Committable Melting Podcast. The Committable Melting Podcast. The Committable Melting Podcast. The Committable Melting Podcast, Jinx. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Send us stuff, and we'll use it to feed the masses. Aaron. Yay! Wait, you said my line. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at meltingpodcast. Or you could email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff. <laughs>